Do you dream of having time and money freedom? Are you looking for ways to enjoy business and life harmony or just to improve your business and yourself? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with your host, Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn from experts in business, leadership, personal development, and mindset to help you create your ideal business lifestyle, whatever that means for you. And now, here's your host, Shirley Dalton. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom, and I'm your host, Shirley Dalton. I'm on a mission to help you reclaim your freedom and create your ideal business lifestyle. As the number one authority on proven profitable processes, I help you get your business under control, grow yourself and your team so that your business works for you and your team, giving you more money, more time and less stress. If you'd like to know more, I invite you to visit shirleydalton.com. In my role as radio and TV show host, I bring you additional experts to help you improve your business and your life. And today we're talking 21st century workplace solutions with Alliance Virtual Officers Chief Executive Officer, Frank Cottle. Welcome, Frank. Thank you, Shirley. I'm very uh, grateful to be here. <laughs> yes, well, I'm looking forward to hearing what's going to be happening in the 21st century with the workplace because it certainly has changed over the years and we'll get into that in a second. What I'd like to do is to introduce you to our listeners so that they just know a little bit about you and your background. So not only are you the CEO of Alliance Virtual Offices, you're the chairman of the Alliance Business Centres Network. You're a recognised expert on flexible working, the virtual office movement and third place working. Prior to creating the Alliance brand, you successfully operated your own portfolio of business centres in multiple locations across North America. You've spent almost the past 30 years delivering business services that are finely tuned to the workplace needs of startups, entrepreneurs, and growing SMBs. Over the years, you've worked with tens of thousands of business owners and coupled with a unique global management perspective, have become the go-to authority on flexible and remote work. So Frank, before we get into the 21st century workplace, what changes have you seen over the past 30 odd years in how people work? Well, we've been in the business center, the serviced office, or now we call it the co-working industry since 1979. And those, those of you that can head back that far in your own memories, um, computers didn't exist. At least PCs didn't exist then. Uh, our first centers were built with word processors on IBM Selectric typewriters. Uh -huh. uh, I, I actually even had a telex. Uh, for high-speed communications with Asia and, and things of that nature. We took hand dictation and dictation over our uh, automated phone systems that we built. Uh, uh, so the changes that you see today uh, in the workplace really are forced by technology changes and the lifestyles that we've adapted as a result of being able to use those technologies. It's somewhat staggering if you come back and think about it. It is. And, and as you were saying that, I was just thinking when I was 14, my parents said to me, you have to learn to type. And I just thought that they were the, the worst parents ever. Um, turned out to be the best decision, of course. But as you were talking about before computers, my first job was in the motor registry where people went to get their motor vehicle license and car registration. And it was on the typewriter. You know, we would touch type and, and you'd la 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 and bang and, and do the returns. And then it wasn't until years later that the computers actually came in. So, yeah. I it, was, it was actually exercise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, there have been so many changes. And I think what uh, we started out to do, and we were one of the pioneers in our industry, um, what we started out to do, as did, did a, a number of other excellent companies, um, was we looked at the way people were working and we said, well, there's a lot of waste here. And if you look at the sharing economy today, look at things like Uber or Airbnb and all the sharing economy companies that have popped up. We really were the first sharing economy industry because we combined people, place, and technology, three distinctly different products into a single bundled service and instead of having a long-term lease, we provided it with a short-term service agreement to our clients. Uh -huh. And the way we got efficiency was through sharing those people, place, and technology. Um, it was almost like a communist plot, uh, you might say, uh, you know, to each unto their need. 
uh, uh, an environment where independent businesses came together to share conference rooms, to share reception services, to share clerical, secretarial, and administrative services, to share the technology. Uh, We were there before the internet. Um, And to share the ability, we had a VPN that we built for all of our clients because it was pre-internet times. Um, We were actually the first commercial installation with GTE of the ISDN system. Um, We had a a joint venture with Bell Labs, so we were the first commercial installation that combined simultaneous transmission of voice and data over four pair twisted cable, which is now, think of your Cat5 cabling that everybody has. Mm -hmm. we really pushed a lot of technology early on in our industry, not just our company, but our whole industry did, and then shared it for greater efficiency because people couldn't afford to buy a system like that on their own. It had to be shared. Uh, Large companies had some interesting systems, but the smaller entrepreneurial companies, legal accounting, financial services professionals, none of them could afford this next generation of efficiency either in price or in operations. And we tried to deliver that. I'm really curious, Frank, as you're talking about that, because you're, you're right. Well, like it's not something that we would generally think about, but when you actually do think about it, um, that was one of the things that I think stopped a lot of small businesses initially was because they couldn't compete with the technology and they couldn't compete with the resources of the bigger companies. So uh, what I'm curious about is, the vision that you had to be able to see this and then to create something that could actually satisfy a need. I mean, that's just awesome. Well, uh, candidly, our vision was, was um, not really driven the way people might think. We started um, in business as a property company doing what's referred to as land banking. So we would buy a piece of land, a piece of property in the path of progress in our case, and build a building on it, uh, and wait. Mm-hmm. In our case, um, we I looked at options, and I honestly, it was a you know, in, uh, need is the mother of all invention, I guess they say. Yes. Uh, in in our case, I looked around at at the pro- commercial property industry that I wanted to invest in. I said, I can't afford to build high rises. I'm just a young guy. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, here's what I can do. I can build the smallest piece of the bricks and mortar, the least amount of bricks and mortar, the smallest building on the biggest piece of land that has the most future entitlement and on the edge of a large pre-developed commercial project. So we had joint venture land purchases with mobile land, Chevron land, Prudential, Trammell Crow, Boston Properties, the Irvine Company, big, big U.S. property companies. Mm-hmm. And we would buy a, a, a parcel on the edge of a large pre-planned commercial development. When they were developing the shopping centers and the office buildings in the middle, we would go out onto the edge and we'd mm-hmm. build one of our little buildings. And I looked around and I had some friends that were in a legal suite. And I looked around and I said, you know what? These funny little things called executive suites can generate more revenue per square foot than a normal office building. So I can build a smaller building and get the same amount of revenue to tie up the land. And our, our land usually had eight to 10 times entitlement, meaning if we built a 50,000 foot building, the land had the right to build a 500,000 foot building on it. So uh, it sounds sad, but our first portfolio was almost all scraped. <laughs> Mid and high rise buildings went in on, on the land that we had held. Um, but during that time period, we learned of all the things that were necessary to provide services, uh, to provide, to really run these executive suites as they were called back then, right? Mm-hmm. And we honestly overspent on technology quite a bit, and we made every mistake possible, uh, <laughs> but we survived it. We survived it, and we kept at it, and we learned, and we grew, and we learned, and we grew, and I think that's the story of most business. That is your uh, escape to freedom, if you will, is you know, grow, learn, grow, learn, grow, learn continuously. Uh, and over the years, it, it, it has paid off for us. We now have a network of 700 locations across 52 countries. Uh, 
a number of technology service companies within the industry, of which Alliance Virtual is the biggest, um, you know, global operations, and we still have fun every day. And that's, <laughs> that's the key to your other escape for success, is have fun every day. I love it, the keys to escape success. <laughs> escape to success i should say there yeah yeah find that freedom you're looking for yeah exactly yeah and and that's something isn't it that we make a mis and that's a mistake that we make often going into small business is that we think that we're going to start this business and as the boss we're going to have all of this time and what we end up doing is just trapping ourselves and having uh the worst boss ever because we don't let ourselves have any downtime well, I think that's right. But, you know, there's lots, lots of types of downtime. Um, you know, they always say, if you really love what you do, then you're not really working. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think that's bullshit, by the way. If I can <laughs> uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, but uh, if you do love what you do, you, it doesn't tire you in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, you need a break. Everybody needs to, to chill out every once in a while and, and just relax and do something different. Mm -hmm. if, if you don't change and do something different, you get stale. Mm -hmm. But the hours that you put in as an entrepreneur and as, as leading a company really don't seem like they're tiring. Mm -hmm. uh, I still work probably 60 hour weeks, which most people go, oh, how do you do that? I love it. <laughs> it's that simple. And I'm not really a workaholic. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if, if I don't have something to do, I'm, I live on a little island and, and in a harbor and I'm likely to go out and go stand up paddling or go surfing out on the beach in front of my house or, or, or go sailing or take a few hours off. In fact, I, I went out at lunchtime today. I went down to the, the gym, which is down, just down the beach from me and worked out for an hour and a half and then came back. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you take breaks to give, to spell yourself, but long hours shouldn't be exhausting. If they are, you're doing the wrong things. Oh, that's gold for our listeners that are listening in on that. You know, if you do, if you're exhausted, then you're doing the wrong thing. And now it's interesting there, as you say about taking breaks. And I remember when I first started and I had staff working for me and I thought that I had to be this big role model and I had to be there from 9am till 5pm and I would make all my appointments afterwards. Anyway, I was seeing this lady one time and she said, um, can you come in at 10 o'clock? And I said, oh, no, no, I have to come after five. And she said, well, I really don't want to be working after five. Why can't you come at 10? And I said, well, I've got staff. And she said, okay, you own the business, yes. And do you work late at night? Yes. And do you work on weekends? Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, she really helped me to see that, yeah, I did have that freedom where I could go and have an appointment at 10 o'clock in the morning instead of having to work all day and then try and fit in appointments and then work evenings and weekends and that. I mean, it was really ridiculous. And so I think that's a really important point that you make there, particularly as we're talking, you know, moving into the 21st century and our lifestyle that as an entrepreneur, if you're, if you're tired and you're not enjoying it, then you're probably doing the wrong thing and that the, the breaks can come. They don't have to be like everybody else at the end of the day or on the weekend. Well, and, and we're in the flexible workplace industry. Mm -hmm. So part of our entire uh, consciousness and lifestyle is how to blend work-life events. Uh, and uh, we sell that every day to people, you know, virtual officing, co-working, business centers, how, you know, how to, how to gain efficiencies uh, without just burning hours, mm -hmm. or as we call it, cycles. Uh, um, so that's, that's part of our whole uh, thought process as a, as a company and an organization. And I hope part of what we're delivering to our customer base or what we now call our community base. Um, we, we treat... Um, in the first days we had customers and then we had clients and now we have members who are part of an overall global community. Mm -hmm. uh, and we really think, uh, in fact, uh, one of the uh, mantras within our company, and it's been this way for well over 30 years, is members first. Mm -hmm. We always make all of our decisions in our company based on what's best for the member. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we can't answer that question is this good for the member and how and why and and, and what's what's the member's roi going to be not what's our 
ROI going to be? If we can't answer that question, we generally don't do it. We don't do what's been proposed. Uh, and I, I think that that's a, a, an important differentiation. Maybe we were ahead of the time of being socially conscious uh, as a company. I, I'm an old hippie from the 60s, so you know, it's, it's natural. But um, uh, <clears throat> we've always thought that way. And we think that that has a lot to do with the quality of services that are provided and really the uh, very uh, fraternal, loving family environment that we've created as a company for our, our own team and, and for an awful lot of the people that we do business with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I think that's a really good time for us to have a quick break. Uh, stay with us, listeners. When we come back, we're going to get into more of the 21st century workplace. And I like what you said then, Frank, about blending our work-life events. You know, people talk about balancing it, which I'm not in favour of. Uh, but I like that word blending. So let's talk more about that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Deal business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Just Todfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom. And today we're talking about the 21st century workplace and where we've come from and where we're going. And we're talking with one of the pioneers here, Frank Cottle. And Frank, we, we talked a little bit about the changes that we've seen. And certainly I've been in the workforce as long as what you were talking about, you know, from going from the old typewriters to the computers and the way that we've worked and then having my own business now, um, I do make use of shared meeting spaces as you, you talk about them shared workspaces so there's a couple of things we want to be talking about here is getting into the 21st century workplace what that's going to look at and then also i want to come back to what you were talking about before about blending work-life events and then also what what's your definition of these shared workspaces so i'll let you take it away well, where would you like to start? You had three things there. I did. <laughs> I know. I just get so excited. <laughs> uh, well, let's go with the definition then of the workspace, because I think okay. that's, that's key to the future. Well, let, let's lay some, some uh, scope and scale to things. Mm -hmm. According to the IDC, there, at the end of 2017, there were 1.8 billion, billion with a B, mm -hmm. mobile workers globally. Wow. Wow. And they defined a mobile worker by anyone, someone who worked away from a primary office or worked away from their residence at least two days a week on a permanent basis. So that's 3.6 billion days a week. Hmm. Okay, if you think of weekdays, hours, mm -hmm. just being worked in the, mo mo in the mobile workforce. Now that's just the mobile workforce. And then you think about flexible workplaces and you hear all these terms, executive suites, business centers, serviced offices, co-working centers, incubators, accelerators. Let's put those in perspective. There's an umbrella over all of those and let's call it the serviced office and co-working industry. Mm -hmm. and that umbrella includes 
all providers, all companies that provide the combination of people, place, and technology. So an office, a place to work, or workstations, Mm -hmm. uh, fully furnished, um, uh, with all the technology necessary to run it, all the bandwidth needed, all the telecom services needed, all the networking services needed, uh, and all the people to support it. Administrative, clerical, secretarial support, uh, live reception uh, to manage the phone services, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So people, place, and technology, and they deliver that, as I said earlier, through a highly flexible service agreement. You can get that bundled product through this industry by the hour, by the day, the week, the month, year, multi-year, however you need to meet your flexibility requirements. And if you think about it, it's a bit of a sharing industry revolution against the old concept of the landlord. Mm-hmm. What a horrible name to call somebody a landlord. Yes, I don't okay. like it. Okay. Uh, or the property owner. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, everybody was always at odds. Uh, so by combining all three of those things together and saying, hey, you can have it however you want it, um, an entire industry has been born. Mm-hmm. Today, it's the fastest growing sector of the commercial office industry or the commercial office in, in general. Uh, and the difference between a business center and a co-working center, et cetera, is they all deliver people, plates, and technology, but they each have a separate brand promise. So think for a moment uh, like the automotive industry. We all know what the automotive industry is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it's pe- consists of people that take a chassis, put wheels underneath it, and a motor on top of it, and people use automobiles to move around. Mm-hmm. People place in, you know, chassis, engines, and wheels. Mm-hmm. We're people, place, and technology. But just like the automotive industry has different brand sectors, you have luxury cars and sports cars, uh, SUVs, family vans, and each of those sectors has a promise. A luxury car delivers you luxury. Mm-hmm. A sports car makes you grin. Uh, you know, a family van, eh, I don't know. I'm not a family van guy. An SUV will let you go off road. Okay, they all have a brand promise. Mm-hmm. In our industry, each of the sectors also have a brand promise. So a classic business center and a great uh, illustration in uh, Australia would be uh, Regis or Servcorp. Mm-hmm. They've been around for years. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, or Alliance, of course. But, yes. you know, talk about others instead of ourselves. Um, uh, they're good companies. Both of them are excellent companies. They have people, place, and technology. And... Their brand promise is professional image and services. Mm-hmm. A co-working center, uh, like you might have Impact Hub uh, out of Melbourne is a good company. Um, they, uh, their brand promise uh, is um, to their community is business growth through a collaborative community. Still people place in technology though. Mm-hmm. An incubator takes either one of those brand promises still keeps people, place, and technology, but it adds mentoring. Mm-hmm. An accelerator just adds access to capital to an incubator. And then you have logistics center, culinary centers, media centers, all sorts of little specialty uh, uh, brands as well, just like you would in the automotive industry. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those specialty brands one day will become mainstream, just like electric cars used to be a specialty, and now they're becoming mainstream. So Mm -hmm. there's this constant evolution going on in our industry, just like there is anywhere else. So definition is people, place, and technology, highly flexible service agreement delivered when you need it, as you need it, how much you need it. Mm, I like it. Think think, think in in terms of uh, the revolution in the intermodal system developed with just-in-time inventory Mm -hmm. for manufacturing and just in time uh, inventory for retailing. Um, You don't have to buy, uh, if you're a hardware store, you don't have to buy your entire paint supply uh, half a year in advance and then Mm -hmm. store it somewhere. You can, Amazon will deliver it to you in an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it, it, you know, we can shrink our homes, we can change our lifestyles, we do everything because we can get things right now, just in time. And all sorts of things are changing around that. And one of the deliverables now 
is a complete officing environment that can be delivered just in time. Yes, and, and as you say that, um, my husband and I travelled across America last year for about seven months, went from the East Coast to the West Coast, and um, there were places in San Diego where we were told about for the um, people, place and technology, and then we travelled to New Zealand and we had occasion to use an area there there was a couple of them and it, it was it was wonderful we just lo lobbed up with our laptops plugged into their internet uh, I did a couple of radio interviews while we were there and it was just easy you know? just and, it, it, and nice people to hang around with as well it, it, well you know that's that community element mm -hmm. um, uh, you know human beings are very gregarious uh, mm -hmm. you know we, we, we like to be around each other as animals uh, and uh, the people that you meet that are in an entrepreneurial setting or uh, growing a business, uh, uh, they could be a, even a branch office of a large company, but they're on their own in, in their own office. Um, they they, they self-form their own community. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you look at it, I, I hate to maybe go where I'm going here, but... Um, <laughs> A lot of people, uh, if we look at the major religions of the world, we find that an awful lot of them are um, not doing as well as they, they should be. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, some of the things that have replaced the same need of having people to talk to about different things, having people with, uh, in common, uh, common belief systems, uh, things of that nature are replaced today by such things as gyms, mm -hmm. uh, business centers, yes. <laughs> co-working centers, etc. So we're a new formula or a new format for people to share their lives because you spend more time, most people spend more time focused at their work environment than they do focused at their home environment because of our sleep cycle. Mm -hmm. um, um, uh, it's very important to have that environment and have that community and have the support within the community that you're working within. Mm. Uh, and you know how in, I'm sure in every major city on Australia, there's a, an award given every year to the 10 best places to work. Mm -hmm. Well, what do they judge that on? Usually it's the support that that company gives to their workers. So the communities in our centers, the importance of community in our centers is the very fact that they become equal, if not very powerful support systems. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's honestly a big part of the value proposition of our industry. I, and you, I could really see that too, because uh, I had a, a um, a bricks and mortar office and we had staff and then we knew that we were going to be traveling. So I wanted to trial it working from home because I thought if I can work from home, then I can work from anywhere in the world, which we managed to do. What I found though, was that it got lonely, you know, just working from home, you'd get up, you go and do your work and, and then finish work and and that was it whereas going out and having meetings or being involved with people or having the staff around it really did make a difference as you were saying before about how gregarious we are you know we like to meet up with other people and bounce sure. ideas well that's part of the fun of travel too yes. uh, it, except uh, when you travel and you stay in a hotel well, where do you meet people mm. in the bar <laughs> okay. Not if you're working. Um, uh, well, not well. <laughs> depends on the kind of work you do, I guess. Uh, um, um, but the, uh, you know, it's hard to meet people. But when you go into business centers or co-working centers, uh, and you're there for a few days, well, people take note and people say hi, and somebody says, "Oh, you're from Australia." Well, I have a cousin in Australia. Hey, can I take you to lunch? I mean, it, it's a very natural environment. It's not a forced environment. Mm -hmm. and, and that makes it nice. And one of the elements for that too, where we're seeing uh, is we do a lot of um, uh, sale and management of virtual officing uh, systems and clients globally. Uh, and a lot of our clients uh, do work from home, but they still need a permanent business address for the registration of their company, a place to do commission, 
things commercially or because it's inappropriate to meet anybody at your home. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that group, which is ever expanding, it's, it, it's growing huge. Um, they like the fact that they can go to an office, go to a center, know the people at the center. And they're not a stranger there, even though they're maybe only there for one day a week. They like that familiar familiarity that we all as human beings kind of crave. Mm, yes. And that just reminds me, we had moved from one city to another uh, before we went to the States and we were hiring some people. And yeah, as you say, it just wasn't appropriate for me to be doing job interviews in our home environment. And so there was a, a, a shared space where I was able to book a room for the day. And it was really curious to me that the lady who was on reception, she was making comments on the applicants as they came in and out. I'm sorry if you can hear that there's a, an alarm just going off. No, it's stopped now. And uh, anyway, as the people would come and go, she'd give me the nod or she'd shake her head. And, and at the end of the day, she gave me a running commentary on all of the uh, interview applicants and uh, <laughs> she, 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 she became part of your whole team instantly she did. yeah the recruitment uh, team <laughs> well you know if, if you've ever had a really good weight person in a restaurant or a, a great front uh, a, a desk person in a hotel or a concierge that just naturally uh, is, is pleasant to be around and, and you enjoy being receiving service from them again our industry is very much a service industry Mm-hmm. Um, and people say, oh, you're in the real estate industry. And we kind of go, well, we're really a real estate dependent industry. But first and foremost, we're a service industry. Uh, and if you can't have everybody in the center thinking that member first mentality, if you can't have everybody looking out for the interests of their clients, um, then you really probably won't succeed in our industry. Um, mm-hmm. You, It is... It, it ha- you have to prove it, be a, 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 just like an excellent hotelier mm-hmm. uh, uh, to be really good. good. All right. Well, let's take a, a short break. And then when we come back, we'll get to that third question now about the 21st century workplace and uh, what you envision for us there. Stay with us and we'll be right back. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand or your business? Just Todfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Deal Business Lifestyle. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. And we're back. And today we're having a really fun conversation with CEO of Alliance Virtual Offices, Frank Cottle. And Frank, we've been coming at this question now for, gosh, about half an hour. So let's get into what's your vision and what do you see as the future of the 21st century workplace? Flexibility, mobility, more, 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 more technology. Um, I was at a, uh, looking through some materials earlier today and reviewing some videos of the most recent consumer electronics show, which is a global show hosted in Las Vegas every year. And it's massive three, 400,000 attendees. It's ridiculous. Wow. And one of the groups of products uh, that was being uh, played with 
uh, was uh, virtual reality and augmented reality products. So you've all probably heard of Google Glass and you've seen people wearing these uh, headset goggle sets looked like almost a diving mask. And inside mm -hmm. of that, there's a different reality. You put it on. So one of the things uh, as I thought of and, and, and was, was being explored actually by one of the article commentators that I was reading was the office of the future. Mm -hmm. And maybe not so far in the future where you might not go anywhere. You might simply put on a headset. Wow. And when you put on the headset, your office appears before you. And maybe you like a really modern office, huge with a great view that you love to see. Maybe you like a small closed cubby of an office that's real secure, maybe whatever, whatever. You can design and create whatever office you want. And all of your files and all of your books and needs and access to everything can be within your view to just reach up off the shelf and grab and do this and that manually as you would in a physical office. And so you stop and think about that. And then you say, real estate, how will that affect real estate? Well, people won't need a desk anymore. Not hmm. in the same manner. They might need a keyboard, uh, a small keyboard with a small space. Cause I don't know if you ever heard of air typing, but it sucks. It's, it's awful. <laughs> you can't really type without a keyboard. You know, you've got to have something tactile there. Uh, so that people need a keyboard, maybe some sort of other mouse or some sort of other instrument. But usually if you can use your hands instead, uh, which you can in mostly virtual and augmented reality structures, um, you'd just be kind of silly. People would be there waving their hands around, talking to themselves, or maybe connected to 15 other people, or maybe saying, hi, I need to see George. Well, George is uh, really in another place, uh, uh, in another city, in another country. But uh, I can say, George, I need to see you at 12. Well, in your virtual reality environment, George can actually walk into your office and sit down in front of you. So uh, I'm, I'm all, getting my head around that, that, that. Yeah, there's all sorts of new things that are going to push us to explore, not just the, everybody says the workplace of the future. And it's really doesn't have to do so much with place anymore. Mm -hmm. You can work from anywhere. In fact, people... One of the big hot topics all over the world right now is immigration. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people, there's mass migrations of immigrants moving in all different parts of the world right now. And many of them are looking for a better job and a better place for their lifestyle or more security for their families from, from some, some you know, warfare and things of that nature, mm -hmm. which is very understandable. And so some of them do have to relocate physically. You can't have to escape an environment. But when we think of hiring people, we say, we need a person to do this. And then we call different people and we say, well, who's the best person we can find? We don't care where they are. We almost don't care what language they speak. We want the best person we can find to do a particular task. And let's assume it's a person, and I'll use our, our, our own head of marketing as an example. Uh, he liked living on a farm in Lexington, Kentucky, because he liked the horse environment there and his family was there and stuff. Well, our main office is in Newport Beach. Mm -hmm. So should I pull this gentleman off of his farm and out of that environment and away from his family and make him move to Newport Beach? Now, Newport's a nice place, but he'd leave his family. Mm. Uh, you know, he, no, who would want to do that? So either we wouldn't have gotten him to join our team or he would have joined our team and had to uproot his family. Well, where's the sense of that? Mm -hmm. So technology today, and this is a big part of the future workplace, is going to be amazingly, allow us to have amazing distribution of our teams. Uh, we can have, a, a, anybody can work from anywhere with equal things. You have time zones is really your only issue. Uh, but even those within reason are solved. Here, I started this morning, as I mentioned, with a video conference this morning, early this morning in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And here I am now talking to you, and it's not even the close of my business day in Australia. Mm -hmm. So I worked my way from Dubai. My next international meeting was in Amsterdam, and then I had a meeting with some people in New York, and then in Texas, and now in California, and now you in Australia. So you just, you literally can follow the sun <laughs> for about 16 to 20 hours a day 
if you want to without any difficulties now. And each one of those meetings with were different people on our teams that have different elements, specialties, you know, capabilities. And it's just a matter of managing them all together. So management style is going to change in the 21st century. It, it, it's going to change radically. You don't have to see somebody sitting at their desk to know that they're working. It'll be, everything will be based on productivity of the individual, not the attendance level of the individual. Time won't mean as much uh, as productivity. And that is going to change an awful lot of the way we look at things. And it all, all of this will change the way we use real estate. So you'll have a virtual office in the future as opposed to a permanent office. And you might work in five different places virtually, not in one. I used to have a big giant office that overlooked the ocean in Newport, you know, kind mm -hmm. of standard ego office and all that sort of thing. Today I have about five or six little offices in different places because mm -hmm. I, I travel around. I really need a network. I really just need a place to work and then a place to relax, but mm -hmm. I don't need to have this, baronial testimony to, you know, executive proudness or something that doesn't work anymore. And that that's not popular. So real estate and the way we use real estate is going to change. We'll have networks of offices or we'll have a desk pass or an office pass uh, where uh, we just have a card, a travel card, and it won't be a travel card. It'll, it'll be an ID on our, our smartphone or smart instrument of some sort that we'll be carrying. Mm -hmm. And we'll walk up to a desk and we'll say, hey, I'm here I, because I made a reservation the day before using the same instrument. Uh, and that's where I'm going to be officing that day because it's on the right side of town for the meeting I have at lunch or whatever. I'll just walk in. I'll, they'll look at the digital map of the facility, say, well, you're in office number 12 today, Mr. Cottle, and, and that'll be it. I'll yeah. work in, anywhere, everywhere. Uh, and that is so incredible flexibility and mobility is going to change uh, overall uh, as well. Uh, and it just, just think technology will drive it. People will ad adapt to it. Management is changing today rapidly with it. And pretty soon borders won't matter for employment. They will not matter at all for employment. You can hire, so I can hire somebody in Australia just as easily as I can hire somebody in the U.S. and they can work with a team that's based in the US and Europe just as easily as they can work in a team between Sydney and Melbourne. It, mm -hmm. it, it, borders will not matter for work very, very soon. No, and you, you raised an important point earlier about the difference between looking at somebody sitting at their desk and thinking that they're working versus the managing by the outcome. And so, I think that actually becomes cleaner because when I was doing systems work, I'd go into businesses and the owners would be saying, Oh, look at Mary over there. She's always here till seven o'clock. She's such a great worker. She's so loyal and committed. And I'd watch Mary and think, no, she's not. She's not. She's slow. <laughs> and she's, she's, you know, on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She gets yeah. her work done in two hours between five and seven. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for the people that are very um, efficient too, then that's going to be a plus as well, because you can still get paid um, the same amount for the outcome, but have your own less time that you have to put into it as well. Well, and, and what, what that allows is it, and this might sound like a, a, against being productive, but people will be able to have two or three jobs. Mm -hmm. And you say, oh, two or three jobs, that's horrible. Not really. You know what they say, that he who has three bosses has none. <laughs> okay. So people, the whole gig economy structure that is developed globally um, and, is, and, is, and is growing globally. Um, a perf a extreme example of that, if you, if you look at the Fortune, global Fortune 1000 companies, and you were to look at their... Um, their annual report of five years ago and the annual report would say something like, Oh, they made X had X amount of revenue made Y amount of profit. And they had uh, 200,000 employees worldwide. Mm -hmm. Okay. Today, if you looked at that same annual report, it would say they made, yeah, they made the revenue and they made the profit and they have a workforce of 200,000. Mm -hmm. And the difference are contractors. Yes. 
So, and that changes the way real estate's used. Today, when a, a company hires a contractor to do a job or on a one-year or a two or a three-year contract at, rather than an employment agreement, uh, they want the real estate commitment for the facility where that person sits to match the employment contract. So larger corporations today are adjusting all of their holdings and their balance sheets, which is one of the reasons see boosts in, in, in valuations, um, to have, again, that just-in-time concept. I, I have 10,000 employees that are on one-year contracts. Those people should be in one-year office space that's automatically renewable at our option. They shouldn't, mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to take a 10-year lease and wonder if I'm going to need the space in 10 years, wonder if it's going to be too large or too small. Uh, uh, you know, I can run my business better if I can get that flexibility. So service agreements instead of leases will be that match the employment term of contractors is going to be a big change in the 21st century workplace. And that's going to help all corporations to improve their balance sheet by reducing their leasehold liabilities and debt or the capital requirements they have for growth. That will boost their valuations, their earnings, and will improve the position of their investors. Mm, yeah, it actually really so, makes sense when you think about it, doesn't it? Mm. And, and it reminds me, we visited a friend of ours in Vancouver and she had these little, I think they were like, I think they were called go cars and there was a couple of other different sure. brands and mm -hmm. she didn't have a need to have a vehicle anymore. She could just pay for it. And if there was one around the corner, she could just go and basically hop in the car and drive it and then get out of the car and leave it somewhere and then go and get another car. And it was just amazing. Well, uh, that's again, we're, we're, uh, our industry was the predecessor to the entire sharing economy. Mm -hmm. uh, we share those people, place, and technology. And, you know, Uber just figured, figured out how to do it with cars, but we've been doing it with real estate for the last 40 years. Um, and uh, that really is a boon to everybody. And what we are as a people, while we're incredibly wasteful as human beings, um, we're trying to, to reduce the waste or that we have in business and the things that we use. So if I have a car and I only use it for two hours a day, why shouldn't somebody else use it for eight hours a day? Why shouldn't, why shouldn't things be used, you know, more effectively? Mm -hmm. uh, um, by the way, the, the car maintenance people love that because, you know, the cars put more mileage on it, more tires and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, uh, so there's a whole, the whole, yeah, it, it's an accelerant for uh, expense as well. So you have to have to think of both sides sometimes, but the sharing economy is where we're going. It, it is all business will change sharing economy and social responsibility. Those things will make a big difference in the future and the way employers manage their workforce uh, and also in their paying attention to other activities within their communities. Okay, well, let's take a, a quick break there. And when we come back, let's just take a couple of case studies, if you like, of a couple of your clients that you've had over the years and just uh, look at that change and then talk about what type of clients would, will fit. So, you know, some of our listeners can be thinking about that and whether some of you, the options that you've got might actually be help, more helpful for them than what they've currently got. Stay with us and we'll be right back. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea ideal business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Just Todfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. 
That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. And welcome back. Wow. If you've been listening to our conversation today, we've been talking with Frank Cottle and Frank is the CEO of Alliance Virtual Offices. And we've been talking about the workplace of the future and how the changes are going to be giving us more flexibility and certainly more mobility. And so Frank, if you've got maybe an example or two of how people are actually moving from a brick and mortar type business where they may not have even thought that that they could take advantage of these um, mobile workspaces just for people to get an understanding of that our customer base um, globally is broken into just about five equal categories uh, what it surprised most people is, uh, and, and, and those equal categories of percentages of, of business and, and very representative of our industry at large, uh, might surprise people that uh, one of the top user groups, about 20% of our entire industry as a user group, is actually government. Yeah. Um, you know, gov- what, is, what do all governments have in common? And the one thing that no matter who party's in charge, has to be agreed upon every year. Um, budget. Oh, okay. Budget. Yeah. Okay. And how long is the budget for? One year. Mm-hmm. They love flexibility in the workplace with one year contracts. Right. It fits their budget. So our industry has figured out that companies that have one year budgets love flexibility and they love one year service agreements for space. And that's very simple. It's a very simple migration. If you think of it that way, Um, anybody that wants to reduce their balance sheet and move into a service agreement with a one year commitment rather than a 10 year lease with lease liability that goes onto their balance sheet loves our industry. So the next category of users would be global larger companies. They all use this in a myriad of ways, whether they're taking office space or virtual officing or renting conference rooms from us, um, getting travel passes where they can use multiple centers, uh, you know, for, for tra- their, their traveling employees, et cetera. Um, that type of group is very, uh, very strong in our industry and represents, again, about 20%, maybe 25% in some markets of the overall customer base. The next customer base would be uh, legal accounting and financial services professionals. Very stable in our industry. Think of all the small attorneys and accountants and uh, financial planners and agents and tax planners that are independent. They are one and two and three person firms. Mm-hmm. They don't want high overhead. They don't want, it doesn't make sense for them to hire staff. They don't want to worry about technology, but they need to meet people. So they have to have a professional environment, a quality building, uh, a place where they can have meeting rooms and maybe even uh, large meeting rooms for groups sometimes. Um, so that group has been sort of the, the mainstay of our industry for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Next would be companies that are in expansion. Um, any company that doesn't know how big they're going to be and how fast they're going to get there needs flexibility. They don't want to take on too much commitment of permanent space. So they should have flexibility where they can take two workstations on Monday and then 90 days, take another workstation. And then maybe the next year, take three more workstations and oops, they made a mistake. They have to get rid of two workstations. Mm -hmm. Flexibility really helps companies to grow and manage their cash management. The last group would be startups. Mm -hmm. Okay. Every company in the world and every country I know of, every company has to be formed as a legal entity of some sort. Mm -hmm. And again, as far as I know, every legal entity has to have a registered address somewhere. Mm -hmm. Without that, you 
cannot properly do business. And they have to have a business license, uh, uh, most likely, and oftentimes other credentialing. So whether they have a permanent office in one of our facilities or a virtual office, uh, they can manage all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, they can at the same time have a live reception services attached to that address. Uh, in, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in the U.S., um, if uh, surely if you and I formed a company uh, and we said, oh, we'll use our home address, one of our home addresses, and we'll use my cell phone for the, the company. Uh, we could never get corporate credit. Ah. We could never get a corporate credit card even. We'd have to personally guarantee everything. So you really have to be legitimate in business today. Uh, governments are forcing a lot of this too because they're worried about money laundering and fraud and terrorism and all the things that uh, plague our world right now. Um, and so they want to know that you're legit. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> um, so... Startups are a huge part of our business as well, and particularly are flocking through the millennial generation, not to classic business centers as much as to the co-working type centers. They like that open community, a little more relaxed, casual attitude, uh, uh, and they really have spawned a lot of the concepts around community involvement uh, within the centers, and it, it's, a, it's a great thing. It's really a great thing today. Mm -hmm. uh, so we really deal with just about everybody uh, from government down to the 21 year old that's still in college, but he and two buddies are going to design the next killer app. Uh, <laughs> uh, and boy, they, they come in and they're all hot and excited and, and that sort of thing. So um, the industry preserves and, and solves everybody as does our company. Mm -hmm. And here comes my pitch. Uh, if you if you want to reach us or learn more about our industry, you can go to two places, uh, alliancevirtualoffices.com. Not particularly clever, but very easy to remember, alliancevirtualoffices.com. We can open 10 offices in 10 countries in 10 cities in 10 minutes for you. Wow. So that's that fast. It's that fast. And if you want live reception in 10 languages, we can add that to it as well. So it, there's the flexibility factor is amazing. Um, and if you just want to know about more about our industry and what we're doing and things like that, um, we uh, uh, sponsor a publication called allwork.space, allworkspace, allwork.space. Mm -hmm. And allwork is the serviced office industry's largest news and information publication and is, um, oh gosh, well, it's, again, it's, it's a global publication. It's very, very actively followed. Um, and so that's on, online then? People can subscribe to that or work.space? Sure, sure, surely, surely. Everything is online. <laughs> Everything in the world is online. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. All work dot space and alliance virtual offices dot com. Mm. All right. So last tips, any, anything that you have learned in your 30 odd years or more of being in business and, and evolving any last tips for our listeners, business owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, and managers. Uh, well, you know, you, you, you hinted at this earlier, and, and the one thing that I would say is, uh, and, and, and you were asking about my experience and things of that nature, and I think I said that I, 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 I still think I'm learning every day. I really think if you're going to succeed in an industry or in business in general, you have to become the best student of that industry. Mm -hmm. Um you never have enough experience, you never know it all. And so one of the disciplines that I have developed personally through the years, when I, actually when I started in business, when I was in the late 60s and early 70s, um, I set aside a certain amount of time every day for study. Okay. And uh, uh, so um, I spent an hour or two every day just doing nothing but studying my industry. Um, and I feel that uh, by doing so, um, I'm not necessarily wiser, but I have more information. And we have a, another little mantra about information we call get the data. Mm -hmm. 
get the data. Data becomes information, information becomes knowledge, and from knowledge you can create action. So get the data. And that is a, a, another very important thing. Uh, if someone presents a number to me in a meeting and they do not know what's behind that number, I don't want to know the number. I mm -hmm. want to know what's behind it. Uh, and so get the data, become the best student. Okay. I like it. Get the data and become the best student. All right. Well, once again, we're out of time. So thank you so much, Frank, for spending your time with us today. It was absolutely fascinating taking a, a look backwards at where the workplace was and going forward into the what's coming for what you call the workspace. Um, so thank you for that. It's been my pleasure. Anything I can ever do, reach out. No one can have too many friends in the world. <laughs> yes. And from what we know now about you, there's not, there's no shortage of places that we can meet either. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Very true. Uh, so listeners, as always, I encourage you to implement the tips and strategies that Frank has generously shared with us today as you continue to create your ideal business lifestyle. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next week for an inspirational and educational edition. Until then, be sure to implement what you've learned today to create your ideal business lifestyle. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here for the next show.